Hello and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. On today's episode, we have Anson Parker, uh, Chief Imaginer, Head of Product at Up, Up Bank. For those who don't know Up, uh, one of the friends of the show, Dan Wern, put us in contact early doors on our podcast and getting to hear they've just put out some crazy new features. So if you don't know anything about Up, you've been living under a rock. They're the new age digital bank doing crazy, crazy cool shit, redefining the experience of what it actually looks like for banking they've got this new feature out called two up now like redefining how it is like people uh work on personal savings and tracking things like it's just in their company blows my mind they're, they're the pinnacle for people look to them as the pinnacle for tech and how things work here in australia doing really really cool things so to sit down and pick anson's brains we, we feel pretty lucky oh they're making banking sexy again aren't they well not again it's never been sexy but i've never look forward to getting a bank card in my life and i remember the first experience i know we touched on it with daniel wern's episode early early doors with our pod but getting that package and receiving it the way it was and it's just something different it's a new flavor they're they're working on things that interest them and and they can show their personality in the product so um another amazing chat anson's a legend and thank you so much anson thanks so much for jumping on and having a chat with us today, mate. We're so stoked to so so stoked to talk to you. And the first question we we normally ask for those listening at home, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, g'day. It's awesome to be talking to you guys too. So I'm Anson Parker. I'm the head of product at UP. And for those of you that don't know, UP is a digital bank. We launched actually almost three years ago now. It's time has flown. Um, uh, and we are effectively a bank, digital bank that really focuses on re-engaging people with money or maybe engaging them for the first time is more fair. Um, changing that relationship people have with money, um, trying to help people build savings. Like we, we try and get you to do that. Even if you don't think you want to yet, we're like, no, no, you should do it. We're quite opinionated about that. Um, we just think it's a good thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're really, I guess, rethinking everything about banking. Like why does it have to be the way it is? Kind of the Elon Musk first principles kind of deal. We just go back to the drawing board and question as much as we can, annoy a lot of bankers, um, and then try and ship a really cool app, you know, like that people that people love. Find find them find moments of humor because uh, I think we all just like having fun, and we're like, why can't our products do that too? Why does it have to be so serious? Um, and yeah, so up is like I don't know now 50, 60 people, a ton of software people. We're, we're pretty much our DNA is very much a sort of tech software company. We, we have no bankers uh, that work on up. Uh, we, we, we partner with a bank though, and they do all of that stuff. Uh, and that's been going Adelaide Bank. So we're very different to like the competitors that are kind of, they look at that ASX, they see those massive mega corps at the top that are banks and they say, I want to have one of those for myself, right? Like that's kind of the other, the, comp, the competitors. They're building a bank. They're hiring like bankers. They're filling floors with, floors with them. And they have the funky, you know, the, the dev group that works alongside the bankers. We're just all software, all in on the software side. We outsource the banking to someone else uh, and just focus on, focus on, you know, really putting the customer at the center of what we do. Up's one of those companies that everyone's like, like people obsess over. You see on LinkedIn, it's like, it's held up in such high regard and, and you've been there for, for an extended period of time since it, since it sort of launched. I, I want to hear from you around like, your involvement and being involved in like the growth of how it's gone through, but also tackling how do you onboard new users in what you do? Cause we've like, I'm a Dolomites kid, you know, I was fucking stuck with, you go through primary school, you get stuck on the Commonwealth bank and 
they, you take it through your, they condition you, brainwash you as a kid to sign you up as a, as a, uh, as a fucking bank customer. Mm. But it's funny to think how many people there must be like that who are not thinking differently about what, what's out there for banking. Yeah, totally. Like one of the crazy things about banking is, well, like everybody, you know, like we're a software company, we're getting into banking. Like everyone already has a bank account, right? Like we're not, we don't have some new thing that we're trying to convince everyone they should they should do. Like, why would I want to, you know, share photos of my dog with, I don't know, people over there? Like we're like, you have a bank account, uh, you need a bank account with with the one which we think is a bit of a game changer. Um, but like you say, people don't really choose their bank. People have never really chosen it. This bank has sort of chosen them or their parents would be like, oh, we use this this bank to just give that a give that a crack. And so it's just who they've often grown up with. It uh, hasn't been a conscious choice. They haven't shopped around necessarily. Like some people do that, but most don't. And so we're kind of, our challenge is like, people don't really think about this stuff or talk about it. Like, how do we get into that space? How do we convince people that they should make a choice? And even kind of more like high level is like, can the bank you choose say something about you? Like, can that be a brand that like a lifestyle brand that like the bank you choose is something you kind of wear on a shirt, like, like I am, or, you know, that speaks to who you are. And like that to me is such an interesting and fascinating space. And like we uh, more and more, you know, I think it's been a really interesting evolution of our company, right? Like before we had up, we were sort of a tech services company that worked with banks and we tried to kind of push this, innovation kind of agenda and 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 rethink stuff and build stuff but ultimately we were kind of a services company you know like and our our customer was really a, a giant corporation not not the end user at the end of the day and so you know switching to to having that customer as our end user like that's kind of the best thing you can do right like it's it's it reinvigorates you it like connects you to real people and th- those people are who you're accountable for and so that guides your decisions in a different way than when you have like a paying client that's sort of they're ultimately your customer so you know like that that's been really interesting you know for our company to change from being very much about building software to like building product building experience building a brand all of those things that we uh in some ways uh have just been learning on the job like we didn't probably you know we've grown a lot i guess is, is a short way of saying that we didn't necessarily plan it all from from the start but we did we, we have always been sort of uh, free to put ourselves into the, into what the product is and not, not sort of build something that doesn't reflect who we are. So I think in some ways that has just shone through. Ooh, so are you one of the founding five or something like that? Like one of the first couple of employees or is that? One it? of the first employees, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so uh, Don Perman, Grant Thomas, who, who's like an ex-footy coach, uh, not a tech guy at all. He's pretty shit on the tools. Like... <laughs> He, uh, but he's a great team guy. He's a great team player. He understands, like you got to trust. You got to trust your players. You got to let them do what they do. And and also, I think a lot of stuff around team dynamics and not you know not trying to build a, not having these just great individuals that that are superstars, but but poor team players. All of those kind of things, I guess you would you would get from from sport uh, have sort of been able to apply. So those two guys sort of started a business. Uh, I was one of the very first people. They were somehow able to convince to come work on banking. Like, I, like my background before that was not at all in finance. I was kind of a did odd jobs like software, and I like I really like startups. Like I'd been in the US uh, with a startup in San Francisco for a couple of years. Uh, this is back in like two thousand eight, and uh, we flamed out over there. We like raised raised funding in Australia, and we a few of us got on a plane and went to, to like you know the Hollywood for nerds of San Francisco. Twitter was starting. It was just like buzzing. 
was a cool place to be, but uh, GFC hit, we just couldn't raise money. We, we had a stupid, like we had no revenue and no real <laughs> clear idea of how we'd get it. Um, but, you know, like I got sort of the taste over there, you know, I, lo- I loved it. I loved that roller coaster and that, that excitement of startups. And so, yeah, I came, I actually met my now wife in San Francisco and she, she loved the city called Melbourne. Like I'd lived in Sydney before that. And I'm like, Melbourne, really? But, you know, like San Francisco is a cold place. And I'm like, Melbourne, I hear is a cold place. I can probably deal with it now. So we came down here and yeah, like uh, I was looking around for jobs and everything was like banks or census or, you know, these big quite corporate desk jobs, like, which, you know, they're, they're fine that, I did a bunch of those in my past, but I wanted sort of more interesting entrepreneurial stuff. So yeah, I met this odd couple, sort of a tech geek and an ex-footy coach that were, that were trying to start something kind of interesting and somehow fell in with them. That's a fucking... Oh, that's a sick. ripper. That's a ripper. A little birdie named uh, Daniel Wern, a uh, good friend of the show, told us that you studied philosophy and law before all this. Yeah, I, yeah. like, I mean, I'm a... I'm a got a few years on Werner and I don't even reckon there was a, a career in the internet when I, you know, when I was looking at uni. So I think my old man convinced me that, that those would be great degrees to have. And I like, you, you know, I don't know if people have had this experience, but when you're about to go to uni and you kind of look and you just imagine yourself graduating in four years or whatever, one of these things, you'd be like, that'd look great. That'd be, that'd be great to have. But you, I, I never really thought through what it would mean to study that stuff for, uh, for that long. So yeah, I sort of found myself after a year being like, this is, I actually love philosophy. I thought that was an awesome subject. That was probably my favorite. Laura was pretty bad. I think I scraped through the first year and I'm like, this is not for me. Um, so I actually like, to, I just dropped out of uni. I, the thing was we had this student magazine, right? And I was I was a really terrible designer, but I somehow it was basically volunteer work. So I'd get on there and, and help design. And yeah, they, they had a website too. And I got a bit into that. And I, I just kind of found my way up through that stuff and, yeah, like the area that I'm in now, product, it's it's a new area. It's even newer than, you know, like than that stuff in the internet. Like when I started, I did like design and front end and I've even convinced a few people to hire me to code, which is, I don't know how, why they did. That was a terrible decision on their, on their part, but I sort of worked all over and products emerged more recently is like, when I say more recently, maybe it's like 10 years ago now, but no one ever did that purely before. You had designers and project managers and, and developers and, I, I began to slowly work out over time, like the part that I really enjoyed and thought, and thought I was good at was more the ideas and the, how does this, how do we take technology and, and design and creativity and, and merge it into this thing that actually works and resonates with people. And like, thankfully that became sort of a job in, in product. Uh, and so I'm like, this is definitely like, this is for me. It's my calling, you know, like my calling didn't exist. If I was born 20 years earlier, I, was, I would have been stuffed. Maybe in 20 years time, it won't exist either. I don't know. I'm just right place at the right time. There's, there's a bit of philosophy there. What, what, what do you take when, you, when you're studying something like that? Because I've got a book that I love reading called Great Thinkers, and it's just pretty much all the different philosophies throughout periods of history and, and different ideas and stuff like that. Like, what are some of the philosophies that you enjoy? Or, <laughs> or what, what, is your, what, what do you like? What do you like about philosophy? Like, I mean, I, I think like it really interesting people took it and there's like lots of really interesting conversations you'd have. Like I remember I must have gone to like this the uni this day where they had like a, you could go to like different departments. I must have still been in high school and you'd be like, they'd give you a pitch on why you should study, um, study that, that area. And I remember this, the philosophy one was awesome. It was like this dude and he, he was talking about religion. I think it's called Pascal's Wager, something like that. It's basically like this argument for why you should believe in God. It's like, 
basically you have you can either believe in god or not believe in god and god either exists or he doesn't exist and it's like if you don't believe in him and he doesn't exist doesn't matter like if you don't believe in him and he does exist like you kind of lost out there then it's like if you do believe in him and he doesn't exist well it doesn't really matter if you do believe in him and him and he does exist it's like you've won the lottery right like that is the that's the only way to win that game so therefore you should believe in god and i was like that just like blew my mind a bit like didn't bring me to religion but <laughs> i was just like yeah the I... way that they take these problems these really complex strange you know things and sort of break them down and with these tools that was, that was a really interesting interesting one do you think those skill sets have carried on with you now when you do what you do now in products so for those who maybe not in the product space can you explain a bit more about like what what you actually have to do in that part yeah i guess it's like as if the thing that's funny about product is it's still default we're still defining what it really means and there's sort of different the different sort of i think disciplines within it but at a high level product is sort of it's like the 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 the, the overall concept and feature it's sort of like what are we building and why effectively um so it can be you can start very early and, and look at sort of this design thinking stuff can sort of be a product role too. There's designers that sort of specialize in that, but it's sort of understanding like, what is the need? You know, what's the demand, the need? What are we, what problem are we going to solve? And then how do we actually execute on that and build something that solves that, that problem? Like what is, what, you know, what, what is the sort of the functionality we need to support? What is, what does that you know, customer journey look like as that person travels through this product? Um, and that you sort of do that in a, at an atomic level with individual features, but then you're also looking at how do all of those things fit together? Like what's the overall sort of pie that we're baking and do all of these things make sense together? Um, and, and, and when, and, and what order should we build stuff? And, you know, so priority is always a big part of, um, product and thinking ahead, you know, six months, 12 months, maybe longer and, and thinking about what are we, what are we building next? Um, working out how to understand from customers, like what, what's important to them. Is, yeah, it's, just, it's sort of a huge thing, probably too much for any one person to do. But as I think, as the industry kind of matures, that you'll find there's more that gets broken down more, more and more. You know? there's, there's one really interesting topic that I think that uh, I don't know if you feel the same, but innovation is just a word that just drives me nuts when people misuse it and talk about it for like slight tweaks in things where we're the most innovative people ever. You know, we yeah, yeah. we used to start, we start later on Mondays now, <laughs> yeah. you know, like innovation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you've had a role as chief imaginer. Let, let's chat on your thoughts on innovation and what it actually truly means. It is a, it's sort of a tough, it's a tough, uh, tough thing to live up to in a sense, right? Because uh, people can be hard markers and like just human nature. Like you can, if, like a company like Apple, right? They, they can be, they can smash it out of the park year after year, but expectation rises along with that. So, I mean, to me, innovation's probably, like in my definition, it's really about solving a solving a problem in a new in a new way, and I guess in a fundamentally different way, perhaps, or at least, um, yeah, like like yeah, I think it comes down to that. I think it's it's uh, not just executing really well, you know, like it's actually rethinking something and putting it back together in a way that's sort of surprising and novel. Um, and hopefully for some good reason, right? Um, but something, something like that, yeah. I like that. Tell us. Um, I, reckon, if I, I reckon throw him under the bus. Throw him under the bus. Well, Daniel Wern also told us that yeah, you've got a few little side projects that you're you're interested in. You've apparently got something called the Children's Book of Noises that you're working on, or something like that. Is that true? 
Oh yeah, I'm like those. I'm like one of those people that uh, always has like a, like 20 ideas, and and you tell people and they're like, that's so good, and then you just never do them. But like uh, the the book of noise, yeah. Like I was always um like uh you know like when you're at, like I guess the way I explain this is like when you are in school like there's certain like there's certain bodies of knowledge that that like just exist with people at certain ages and they never they never let it's like a bubble like when you go into school at like five years old or whatever you learn about like ways to make noises like like uh getting a piece of paper and like putting a rip in it and you can blow through it, it makes a super loud noise or a reed of grass or there's all these like weird there's like knowledge that's like it's almost like the most important thing to know as a six-year-old is like these this really weird stuff that once you're like eight, you've forgotten. But like every five-year-old knows it. That's quite, yeah. So so it was basically like this book of like all of those, like um, that knowledge that lives in that, in that cohort, to use a really productive word, of like five to eight-year-olds and like how to exploit their environment to make really annoying noises. And like, but, and like putting that into like, you know, this tome, you know, that's like this, that's captured all of this knowledge on how to, how to annoy your parents and, and, and people with crazy noises. How do you, are you digging back into the memory bank going, this is what I remember when I was five kind of thing? Like what's, what's totally. going on there? Yeah, like, there were just some that stuck with me for whatever reason. And then as I talked to people about it, they would like, tell me ones, like you can get a drinking straw, right? You can hold the ends and you can like twist it and twist it and twist it. And then you get this like short tube of high pressure drinking straw and then you flick it and like pops really loudly. You know, like, that's just a cool thing to know. <laughs> oh, I fucking love that. And and apparently you brew your own beer as well. I've done a few batches. Like I, the thing you learn about brewing is that you think it's like cooking or something where you're just like, you're like throwing in these ingredients, coming out with a great beer, um, drinking it, doing it again. But actually it's like basically like 90% cleaning. Like most of what you're doing is just rinsing and cleaning and and uh and one sort of false move you know like if you don't have like clean room level uh uh hygiene and stuff you just stuff up an entire beer and it takes like this takes like two weeks to work this all out and get to the end of it so like it, i think it takes a certain mindset it's more of like the like the pastry chef pharmacy pharmacist mindset than it is kind of the you know the the, the home cook backyard barbecue kind of mindset which i think i'm more more in that camp so you know, like I, I muck around, but I, I'm terrible. Like I don't, yeah. yeah. There's a few people we've been chatting to that do the home brews. Mm. Do you have a name? Like what do, what do you call it? I, I call my uh, my brewery because I think the first thing I did, it's like that thing where you, like the first thing I used to do is like buy the domain name for any idea before you've yeah. even, I worked it out. And so I, like with brewing, it was like design the label. So I'm a Kiwi originally. So my beer was called A-Brew, like A-Brew, like A-Brew. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's clever. It feels like you just action all your ideas. You just action your thoughts and go, hey, that's that's cool. I can, I can, I fucking love that. I can well, have a crack. I, I can have a crack. Yeah, I can do it. There's a lot of ideas that sound really good. Like the best thing that is like, the worst thing I think is to have an idea that you just never do anything about. You always think, oh, that's such a good idea. Um, most of your ideas will probably fall fall down at some pretty obvious step early on, like quite often, like if you're lucky, right? And so, like, I, I remember I had this idea where I was like, uh, I was eating some like muesli and it had a piece of um, like lemon rind that like was dehydrated and like poured milk in it. And as I was eating, I'm like, this lemon is like restored beautifully to a piece of lemon. I'm like, you know, when you go to a bar and you want like a slice of lime in your drink? Yeah. Like, I could have this business where I dehydrate lemons and limes and like sell them to bars so they don't have to chop lemons and limes behind the bar. They can just put a dehydrated 
piece in and it comes back to life in the drink, right? Like great, <laughs> great business. But so I'm like, I, so this one, I like bought a dehydrator at some point, I think when I had my first kid and I was like at home for a month, I bought a dehydrator, I designed the logo and brand and all that, of course, first, but then I like bought a dehydrator, I dehydrated all these like lemon and lime slices. They came out dry and I'm like, oh, it's going great. Then I put them in water and they came back and it's like all the middle, like the pulp bit was just disgusting and discolored. And like the, 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 the bit of rind was like, good. But like before that, I was like reading about like the lime market in Mexico City. I'm like, I'm no import. <laughs> hundreds of kilos of limes and find this great distributor but then you're like oh wait no you can't actually just rehydrate like a citrus slice and and uh it won't come back perfect that's for sure so you know i was like i actually felt good about that because i'm like at least i took that to the next stage ruled it out and probably just admitted to all the listeners what a what an well, idiot do you have- you know, like i feel better about those ideas the ones where you just like the book of noise i've got to get onto that and you never do it you're like let's kind of eat you up a bit what about like the big ideas? Do you have ones that it's like, fuck, this is going to take like lots of effort and time. Do you have to park them or, or yeah. How does that work? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think scale is a tough one, right? Like, and, and, and it's probably very, like very much um, comes down to what sort of person you are and, and what, and what you enjoy doing and like kind of your skill sets, because I think a lot of people fall down with ideas that are enormous, right? Like there's such a, it might be an incredible idea, but to, to get this idea on the ground, off the ground is going to take, you know, a team of people and potentially lots of money. And some people are fantastic at, at assembling that team and motivating those people and getting that thing going, but that's a certain skill. And so I think the thing I've learned is like finding the right scale of idea that I've actually got a chance of doing something about and that, that like limits what you can do, but there are sort of unlimited ideas really. So it's just putting some constraints around it. Like if you, if you hate sort of the business side of things, but you love the creativity and the, problem solving it's like there is there are probably better ideas to work on than others you know like finding what your what your strengths are and trying to to use that to form the idea rather than the sense that like some great idea is going to come to me could be from anywhere and i'll just do it you know like no you actually kind of have to shape it more than that in my experience what are your thoughts around like the easiest way to test things is there like a, a trigger point that you use that when you're going through like product validation or whatever stuff that you're doing around what is the pass fail mark of this idea or what brings it forward is it a mixture of data and gut is it a mixture of like how, how does it work for you yeah like i'm a, I, personally i'm a i think i think my strength is to some extent a bit in intuition understanding and like um i'm not a really like i don't i don't yeah like i i think where i've been able to be effective with up is that uh, I really sort of understand a lot of the problems that I'm trying to solve for, for customers because I've sort of lived through them all. Like I've been like 20 and maxed out credit cards and you know made all those mistakes that like, hopefully I don't make any more, but like I've, I feel like I have a lot of appreciation for, for all of those kind of stages along the way, you know, basically from starting out uh, living at home to the, um, to them buying a home at sort of the other end. And so like for me, like if I was trying to solve in, in a space, I didn't have that familiarity. I think I'll be reaching for different tools, but in the space that I'm in, I, I'm like, I feel like I understand a lot of what people are trying to do. And then it's just about, can I sort of pull things together in a really interesting way? Uh, so, I, and with the team that we have as well, right? Like, like I was sort of saying, start like just heavy on like deep bench on like just tech software, you know, beasts. Yeah. Uh, and 
So like we are, we are sort of our superpower is like we can come up with an idea, we can build something, you know, a kernel of a of an execution around it, and then put it out into the app and see if people like it. Like that's sort of what we do. That's almost our best feedback loop and our fastest feedback loop. Like Werner might have been talking about that back in the day too. And it's so that means like, do we need to go and do three months of like user research and focus groups? Like, like generally we don't. Like we might learn stuff if we did that, but that's just not what we're good at. Like we're good at chucking it into the uh, app. Hopefully it's there or thereabouts. Um, but you know, like having a failure is fun too, right? Like you kind of want to fail sometimes. Like, all right, we went too far on that one. Like that helps shape you, shape you where you go next. Well, when we spoke to the Wernberger, uh, one of the things that we did, we <laughs> <liked> Wernberger. It, <laughs> <laughs> well, Wernberger. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the Wern man. Uh, yeah. What we did talk to him about is like when you guys release new stuff, it, it almost has like that, that video game feel. And I know we can get into that a bit when we talk about the two up and your new design, but even the way that you guys uh, communicate like we spoke about the tree of up and we're massive fans of like having a public facing roadmap where people can see the new features that are coming down the pipeline and I think that the way that you guys communicate is so different to a lot of other companies and people can very very much learn from how you I guess it's like it's 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 customer comms but in a way that's engaging and it's not really a lot of people are too very scared of their ideas that they don't want to release them too early but you guys are we've made the decision we're going to be doing this it'll come out when it comes out. We're telling you what it is. You might not know how it looks, but here's the, here's what it'll do. Mm. Yeah. Like I think we, uh, just the way we approached this um, space, I think was like, let's just sort of play our natural game. I guess it's like, let's not pretend to be, to do what we think a bank should do in this situation. It's just like, well, who are we? Uh, what do we know? And like, how do we talk? And like, you know, what do we think is funny? It's just like, that, that's the, like that's the, the dream job right when you can actually put your personality into into what you do and you don't have to sort of well maybe not for everyone but, but certainly i think for for us in the team um so there's less there's like less formality you know with, with how we do stuff we don't have like these really tight playbooks but but certainly i think that we are that's that's evolving and emerging from what we do but but you know like i think core to it is just this realization that like people are in general pretty bored by money and banking, right? Like it's not in itself an, an interesting space or it can be, but like generally people disconnect and don't want to know about it. So our job is almost to, how do we make this engaging? Because it's really important, you know, like money is a huge part of life for better or worse, you know, and there are lots of ways to stuff it up and, or, you know, maybe not, not, not put, not put yourself in the best position, not through kind of obvious dis- choices but just through a whole bunch of small things where oh like now i'm 30 and i never started saving like that was dumb <laughs> you know like th- there's just stuff there it's not counterintuitive like it's not intuitive like the right thing to do but but giving people the tools to understand that and and communicating it in a way that is interesting like that's kind of i think what we're trying to do you know so yeah a, lo- a lot of what up is is not we're not disrupting like the ledger and corp- like you know, core banking, like in a lot of ways we, you know, like, and like big bank CEOs look it up and they're like, oh, they, it's just a nice app, you know, like that, that's kind of how they would dismiss up. But like that customer experience is everything in our view. Like that, that is the relationship. That's how, that's how you engage people. And it doesn't matter like how shiny your features are. If people don't care or, or aren't interested, then, you know, what's, what's the point? You you guys have gone bananas with the number of users on on your platform though. 
from when you launched? Because you guys were pretty quick to get people on the platform. But over the last few years, like, can you talk through some of the growth, like what the actual numbers are? Yeah, I think we are, I don't know what the, we're about, I don't know, 300 and, over 350,000 anyway, like customers using up uh, or have signed up. We, like it's kind of been one of the, one, something that we still spend a lot of time thinking about and working through. Like we want to be, you know, like ideally we want to, ha- we want to have millions. Like we don't, we think that we should have millions of customers, like just for what we don't do everything yet. Like we don't have, you know, we don't have home loans yet. We don't have really any form of credit. And some people like will really need that. Uh, uh, so there's that element of like, we're still building out the offering. But from our point of view, like if the stuff we do, which is like your transactional banking and helping you save, like, like we don't look at anyone else and think, oh, like, yeah, fair enough. People could use that. Like there might be better rates out there or, or things like that. But, but ultimately, like we think that the, the experience that we're providing in in that core transactional space, like if you're, if you're between like 16 and 35, like, why would you use any other bank? (laughs) Like, no, I agree. It might sound arrogant, but like that's sort of the view that we have. And so, but the question is like, why aren't, why are people using other banks? Right. And it's like, well, we, our job is our feature, our product might be awesome, but, but that's not, that's not our only job. Like our, we also have to communicate that. And we also have to overcome this like big hurdle, right. Which is like, people don't really want to change banks. It's like, it feels like a bit of a bummer to have to like move everything to a new bank. Uh, and people don't just think like, Oh, I'll try, I'll try a new bank or I'll, you know, like, so you have a whole bunch of kind of inertia, like that you have to overcome because you can be like, Hey, look, look how cool this is. And they're like, yeah, that does seem cool. But you know, I'm still not going to join because that's a massive hassle. Well, we, 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 I remember when Locke got me to sign up a few years back and it was around uh, the welcome pack. Yeah. It was just something that we, everyone would talk about, you know, like if someone got that, you'd be like, have you seen this fucking card? Have you seen the packaging it came in? Like it was all the stuff that, no one really thinks about that actually makes a really massive impact. Well, the stuff when you mentioned before about lifestyle brand, you yeah, know, more than what yeah. it is like being attached to that. Is that some of the thought you guys have gone in when creating that, like how people feel, look and feel about the brand? Yeah. I think we just were like, like when you work in software, it's like, you don't really have any like real world touch points with people, right? It's just everything's through the app. And like, we were like, well, we got this opportunity to like send this thing to people. Like, why wouldn't we want to make that like really excellent? You know, like, how can we, how can we, like, what is that today? And you're like, oh, it's just all this boilerplate crap about like, I don't know, like liability and reporting lost and stolen cards and all this kind of really not fun stuff. But why don't we just make an awesome moment? You know, like how, how, you know, what, what can that mean? And you're like, when am I just spoken to? We really were like, we want people to be like shocked in a good way by this, to share it. Because ultimately our, like, you know, up will succeed through our customers. You know, like it's not going to be us just nailing some awesome like TVC or billboard or, you know, like, yeah, like the, the big four can play that game pretty well. Like they have budgets and I imagine, I don't know, let's say hundreds of millions. Uh, they can hire the hottest creative agencies. They can, you know, like do these crazy executions and just blast the entire country. They can sponsor the opens and the X, Y's and Z's, but like they don't really have customers that like them you know, like at the end mm. of the day. They have customers that just kind of live with them. And so that's our superpower. And like, to the extent we can arm our, uh, our customers to like spread the word. That's like, ultimately, I think the way we succeed, you know, like a bright orange card was a, was a, has been an incredible, uh, asset in that space. And like, you hear these stories about like people in a bar just being like, Oh, we've both got the same, 
the same card kind of bonding over that you kind of almost have that tribe like um kind of experience which i don't imagine happens when two people pull out like a anz card for example it, it feels like it, what you what you're sort of saying is that you you would love and you'd love growth to go through the roof and have a million customers tomorrow but you're looking for that real authentic growth like real customers not not like blow-ins blow-outs yeah i mean i think that those are the customers like like i guess at the core like out like i think if you join up and you really buy into it i can't imagine like like unless you're like leaving because there's something we don't do that you're like i need this right like if you if you start getting used to the app experience of like hey every time i my cards charged or i tap something i get this notification it shows me the business it's categorized you know it has you know you can see when i purchase something not just like the business day that the transaction settled you know like it's like i think it's a genuinely different experience and it's hard to imagine people going back from that so yeah we, we want we want people to come on that that genuinely genuinely get value out of it that that we actually help them build those savings and we help them understand their spending better and and uh yeah i think that word of mouth just follows organically from that really Tell us about two up. What was the process like there? Because I, I imagine you probably had lots of people in the community saying, oh, "Looking forward to it," you know. And now that it has launched, like, how how was the process building that out? Like, yeah. And and what are the pressures of the things like the like the community saying, "Oh, we want this, we want this," and and how do you deal with it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, like we were kind of shocked. I think that we we had this feature request that was like literally the top request, which was joint accounts. And we're like, what, like. So many people want joint accounts. What's going on there? Because the more we looked into it, the more we're like, very few people really use these. Like, especially in the young younger cohorts, like people under, I think it's like one in 20 people under 25 has got a joint account, something like that. And then maybe it's like one in five under 35. So it's like, you think, well, we're building a, we, this, the most in-demand feature that's a big complex beast for us to build is going to be maybe useful for, I don't know, like 10, 15% of our customers. Like what? Uh, it was hard to reconcile, but I think like, so part of that is like, how do we, how do we, if we're going to invest all this time uh, and build this thing, like how can we make it like, like have a broader appeal? And like, what's the issue anyway that we're trying to like with these accounts, like why aren't more people using them? Because there's certainly lots of people that live together in relationships that have like all of these shared expenses, pay rent together and bills. Um, and yet none of them think about joint accounts to solve that you know, to, to be a tool for that problem. So I think that was kind of the light bulb moment when we realized that actually there's a ton of people that could use this. Um, and then we started to understand why people weren't using them, which, you know, for us was um, that, you know, I think people saw them as kind of all in or all or nothing, right? Like either I've got my own finances and I have privacy and independence or I'm just completely, we're just, everything's together and like, this is it, you know, like, um, game over or something you know like or you know like if things don't work out then oh man imagine trying to pull this apart right like yeah so this idea of like loss of independence loss of privacy um being a real bummer to like get out of if the relationship doesn't work out you know they're, they're major barriers uh in that space and none of those things need to be barriers like um so we we kind of had this view like what if like you know this joint account was just sat alongside your own account. And it was something that you could, instead of being all or nothing, you could just use it to pay, to share a couple of bills or, or put, you know, maybe put a percentage of your pay in or, you know, sort of ramp up. Basically it was like a slider, you know, from a, from a purely what we now sort of call internally single player experience to like a two player experience. That's just like a continuum. And we just give you the tools to make that easy. Um, and 
you know, like if, if the relationship doesn't work out, you're just like close this, you know, like I, I always use the analogy that it's like the relationship status in Facebook where it's like, that's the drop down. You, you put the person in like, that's it. That's all you have to do to have that joint account. And if like you change that later on, the joint account goes away. And so that was basically what we tried to build, you know, which I love is that on our, in our feature onboard and we talk about like, Oh, here's how to close this. Here's how to get rid of this feature. If you don't want it anymore, you know, like putting that in how you sell a feature, I think is, is really cool. What's been the feedback so far? Yeah, like real, like overwhelmingly positive, right? Like we, you know, like for people that haven't seen kind of uh, two up, like, which is what we call our joint account type of product. And, you know, like not to be like the kind of wanky product guy, but we sort of talk about it. It's like, oh no, it's an experience, right? Not a feature set. It is like, it, we really tried to rethink, like, what does it mean to have, you know, like, what does two player banking mean? Which is kind of what we coined this area is like, it's, this collaborative thing where it's not just about a transactional account. It's like, if you have a problem, then you can start like a group chat with support. Like even that, it's just like, and that, that feature, it wasn't me. That was like our support people were like, Hey, wouldn't we be able to have a chat with both people at the same time? Like that's genius. Like, of course you'd be able to do that. And so that's kind of like where we think it's like, it's just like rethinking what banking means when there's two of you working together. Um, And so, yeah, like we were basically like, all right, we got this group of people that just want joint accounts. Hopefully they'll like it. But then we've got this whole group of people that have no like have no desire for joint accounts and aren't asking us for it that we really want to um, that we think we're actually get, you know we would like this product um, and so we kind of were like how do we how do we like sell this because you know uh, we want to try and introduce this to a bunch of people that don't know they want this feature and so the two player gaming and the whole gaming visual language is all through through two up if you go view the website it's just this kind of celebration of nineteen eighties slash 90s kind of arcade games and I, I have to admit like we were like is this gonna like are people just gonna be like what the heck are you guys smoking like there's a bit of risk to that right where you're like well we've gone heavy on this uh this visual stuff and uh uh and we put this kind of uh you know you watch the video on the website but it's this whole like you know analogy about how the product works so it's told through through these kind of gaming you know, like it's a bit like an Instagram story effectively in the app, which was how we kind of wanted to to get people interested in it, right? Because I think my my uh, understanding of like how, why stories are so great is like people can put basically crappy content up, but it's like so easy just to move through it. Like I'll get through it, right? So we're like, even if you don't think you want this, like hopefully we can just make something that's such a bite-sized, easily tappable thing to get through that by the end of it, hopefully we've kind of sold you on it. Like rather than be like, here's our big product page of bullet points about how good this feature is. Um, and so, yeah, we, we were shocked at like, well, you know, like surprised at how well it's been received. Like I think the majority of our two up signups uh, have never had a joint account before, which is amazing. We were hoping that we could get at least half and like we've, we've managed to do that. So I think like, yeah, like where this goes, I don't know. Like I, you know, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, super pleased with the response. And I think that, you know, it's also awesome just to be like, like joint accounts, such a daggy thing in a way. It's just, it's like no digital bank is like, or neo banks like trying to reimagine that. It's just like the thing you do, if you're going to sell a home line, we, now we need to support joint accounts. And so the kind of the couples are like, have been left out of that innovation in a sense, right? Like they're just left with their stodgy old traditional bank. So I think it's kind of really fun to be able to say, all right, couples, we got you. You're like, here's something for you too, you know? I feel like we'd be good at, 
tracking how many how many hot chips we eat. <laughs> and, like, it wouldn't be a good, it wouldn't be a good thing if we tracked the funny bit the funny business. Ooh, uh, I feel like it'd be a real harsh reality check. I reckon for us expense tracking. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's scary, scary thought. It is. It is. Tell it. What about? Oh, well, what I want to know is your, your old man, he's been knighted. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's the mayor of Christchurch. That's right, yeah. You've, uh, yeah, my, yeah, my old man, Bob Parker, Sir Bob, now he... Um, Does he, he you was, have to uh, call him Sir? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, like, I, I was calling Pops, usually. <laughs> like, Sir Pops, that'd be maybe weird. Uh, but uh, he, um, yeah, like, when I grew up in New Zealand, like, and he was a TV host in the 80s you know like did game shows and uh you know like we're talking new zealand like this is you know this small pond but like uh game shows and i don't know like fashion pageants and you know, i don't know just like just eddie Maguire of 1980s new zealand right like that kind of guy uh and and uh he sort of got out of that life but yeah eventually made a run for run for local politics in christchurch uh and i think that profile absolutely helped him because you know like local government's not usually a star started field. So a bit of profile will probably go a long way. So he got elected uh, as mayor. And then I think, I don't know, I don't know exactly when it was in his term, but there were those just absolute massive earthquakes in Christchurch, like ridiculously big earthquakes. The first one, I think there's basically no loss of life. And then the second one was just pretty tragic. Um, so he, he was kind of the guy steering, steering that, uh, that city through those, the kind of, uh, I guess it's a bit like the, the Giuliani without the Trump era stuff. You know, Giuliani's uh, 9-11 kind of moment in a sense, you know, like it was, you know, like growing up, he was uh, always the guy, you know, any actor, I imagine any celebrity, people just yell stuff out, you know, like, like he hosted the show, like, this is your life. People just yell that out. Like it was just, you get more heckled as a celebrity. You don't get a lot of maybe love necessarily. You might have some slightly disturbed fans, but after that, I just noticed you'd be driving around with him. And people would be like yelling out and just, they just, people loved him after that. You know, like that was kind of a, I think to have that transformation, that life defining experience, like in your sixties, like that's, I kind of like seeing that. I'm like, you know, people often think us, you know, the world's a young person's game now, but you know, like uh, I don't think it always is. So yeah. And then I think, yeah, he got knighted after, after that, like they sort of had a whole theme of the, of those new year's honors that year, which were people, people in that Christchurch earthquake that had sort of steered it through in some capacity. So yeah, crazy. It's insane. Mate, having, having an old man like that and, and probably being exposed to a different world, like growing up, like you would have had different things. Did you go along to these TV sets and stuff as a kid and stuff? Yeah. I used to go to shows. I remember going to tapings, like going to live audiences. Like I think he worked, yeah, he worked on some, like maybe it was like a warm up guy really early days for like a, some sort of sitcom, <laughs> like, yeah. Absolutely crappy New Zealand sitcom with a live studio studio audience. And uh, yeah, he had a, he had like a late in his career, he had a like a daytime, you know, those morning shows. Yeah, like with all the just they just sell themselves out to sponsors and it's just all I don't I mean I don't know who watches those really. He had one of those. Like he went really through that whole career cycle. So kind of when I was growing up until I was sort of a teenager. And yourself, you got a bit of a, a young growing family. What's it like to juggle for people we've had on the pod, like my, my my wife's my wife's pregnant. We're having our first kid, and we're I'm starting to pick people's brains. Like, what's the fucking like? Juggling? He's just asking advice. He's just like, help me. Help. He's his right hands up. He's, he's like, up. I'm help swimming. Me. I'm between the flags, but I'm my hands up. You know. Yeah. How do you juggle the pace of working in an environment like it's a fast paced environment? Like up, having a small family, juggling all the relationships. Uh, give advice, please. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like 
in some ways lockdown has helped. I, I you gotta be honest, like the or the or at least the move to working from home and that flexibility that now yeah, you know, it's a sort of a blessing and a curse, right? You can find yourself spending all day on Zoom, having almost less time in certain ways, but there's flexibility there. So with young with young family, like so I have a four-year-old and I have twin girls uh, that are just six months old, identical twins. Yeah. So it's it's like a, a full-time job. Like, you know, once once it's like leave meeting, it's just like, boom, you're back in it and just running around, you know, like changing nappies, feeding. Um, but the way a friend, like, the way I used to think about it, because my brother had kids a few years before me and I was like, whoa, man, like being around those kids, like half an hour and I'm like done, you know, like, like how do you do this? But like when when it's like your own and it's just you're in the situation, I kind of like, and it's like the the deer on the, on the, in, in the Sahara Desert or whatever, on the plains where that gets caught by the lion. It doesn't, after a while it stops fighting, it just accepts it, it just lies down, it's very calm. And it's kind of like when it's your own, you kind of, you get into a different mindset. You're like, screaming kids don't bother you anymore it's just kind of you find a bit of zen but you're always tired you, you get through it somehow i drink a lot more coffee um drink drink a bunch less booze probably because you're like being hung over with a with a baby's about as bad as it gets fuck there you go mate write that down huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey what about this one here come on all right so our partner of the show heaps normal uh non-alcoholic beer the question we like to ask is what's the thing that What's your version of heaps normal? What's the thing that you do that gives you energy back in your life? The, the, the activity or the, the task that you turn to, the thing that gives you, charges them batteries back up. Fills that, fills that cut back up. Yeah, for me, I guess it's, um, I, I feel like my best work is away from the computer. It's kind of, uh, you know, like r- riding the bike to work, like, like it, it harder now in, in working from home well, but it used to be for me, jumping on the bike every morning for a, you know half an hour commuting to the office and back at night so it's great great exercise and just a great time to to um to reflect and think so so now that might be hopefully i'd get out for a run around the park you know every so often um but yeah i i I think you know like for me i like a lot of what i do is not i I, like i don't tend to sort of have this really uh rigid structured process for solving problems where it's sort of like you know just, just grind it out i feel like it's i immerse myself as deeply as i can think about stuff and then it just kind of percolates somehow right and so often like that moment of like holy crap is you know not during workouts could be any time and i think you sort of encourage that stuff by like eliminating distraction you know like distractions kind of a massive energy sap in a lot of ways um you just almost uh just in, you just become sort of this you know it's i don't know like it's sort of a zombie like state at times it can be right when you're just like i'm just going from feeds to this to reading the latest COVID numbers to X, Y, and Z. And so to the extent you can kind of find a way to, to shut that stuff out for half an hour, I think you, you're like, whoa, like I'm free with my thoughts again. Like, I don't, you know, that feels like a, like a, a treat. So is that why like you get the best thoughts in the shower and stuff like that? Because you are sort of, when you have them thoughts or you have that idea, do you go back to the work then straight away and go, oh shit, I need to get this out. Cause I've just sort of come up with it. Or do you park it and go, I'll come back to it tomorrow. Oh, it's good to capture. I think like there's nothing worse than like having a big night. And then the next day you're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I thought of like something incredible. Yeah. What was it? And then you like beat yourself up about it. So I think like cap- capturing it, like, but I think it's sort of preparing yourself, putting yourself in the right kind of uh, frame of mind to be able to then find those solutions. So like, you've got to do a bit of the work up front. You've got to sort of immerse yourself and, but then you've got to then allow yourself to have that room, you know? 
I always, I always think like take a day off to, to think about stuff to, so you can zoom out and really not because like building out our business, you'd get so entrenched in what you're doing and the tasks and you're just like, fuck it. Like you were saying before, I got to get to this thing. I got to go to that thing. But when you actually zoom out, when I find when I take time, it's not like, it's like taking a sickie, you know what I mean? But like, I'll, I'll listen to music and just walk around the house and, it, and I just feel like you need that time. No, you really need to carve it out. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think like cooking sometimes, like I, my wife does a lot of the cooking. I have to admit, so I don't want her to watch this and think, oh, like saying, you say, get oh. fucked. You don't do cooking. <laughs> <laughs> made pasta once. Uh, like, uh, you know, like uh, often you'd be like at the stove, like stirring something. And then uh, I have the laptop set up. I'm like, oh, I'll think something, write it down. Or I don't know. Yeah. Like have a few drinks. And uh, for me, that works for me. It's a good creative process just to, you know, put, play some music, have a beer uh, and, uh, you know, find the inspiration there i think i'm a bit yeah i don't know maybe that's a common thing but i think yeah i i sort of enjoy the the unconventional like i find the like rigid structures and stuff more constraining not limiting like sitting in, in an office and trying to be creative and stuff you know like even when we are in the office we'll go for a walk or we'll, we might go have a cheeky pot at lunch or something like that you know they have you know talk some creative ideas yeah no boundaries i think yeah it limits stuff when you start throwing out these i like I like I'm I'm like yeah, I feel like the ad hoc way is just I don't mind it. You know? what, what content do you are you consuming at the moment? Where do you draw your inspiration for working in the field that you do? Yeah, like I reckon um like, like I'm not a big one of like reading like all the fintech stuff and like you know all the newsletters and that. Like I really enjoy taking inspiration from like outside of like my immediate kind of you know industry and um and space. So it's like, it can be like, I remember like ordering a, like ordering a pizza and like the person had written a note on the box, like the person who made the pizza, you know, like that was just like a really nice note. And I'm like, that's, you know, like what's our pizza box note moment, you know, and up, or, you know, like, you, like I love kind of drawing those parallels to other, other outside of the fintech space. So like, I don't, I think like I kind of have the usual stuff. Like I'll read Twitter. I, I use LinkedIn. I'm not quite sure why, but you know, like you have, you have that. Uh, but I, um, uh, I, you know, I think it's just um, like, like I'll probably read more books than I would blog posts in some ways if I, in, the, in the sort of nonfiction space. But I'm also not a massive like frameworks person. Like I, I struggle to sometimes articulate like, you know, that the frameworks and the theory of what we do. I just feel a little bit, I'm more just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's that university dropout thing of like, I, you know, like learn on the streets. I don't know, like. I don't know if I can tell you exactly how I do it. I just do it, you know? Like, I think you, there's a bit of that. Love that. Oh, the magic is there. What's next for you? Like, well, I know you've just uh, released two up. Is it just sort of looking at the feedback and, and seeing that? Or I'm sure you've got other things on the tree, uh, the tree of up that we probably should have looked at before this combo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like we, so two up is kind of, like we don't really say these words externally as they, but we kind of have this idea of like multiplayer banking, you know, so it's like, like two player banking, but we have this broader idea of multiplayer banking, which is this idea that like banks today, like you can basically be the only customer of a traditional bank and it will be exactly the same experience as it is today. Right. Like you don't actually get, there's no network effects really in banking. Um, and part of that was cause it was like seen as this very like, you know, siloed private, you know, space. But then there are lots of things you do with money that are social, like paying people back or requesting money, or paying bills, whatever it is. So, so, so I think a lot of what we're doing, look at going forward, is like, how do we how do we make up better when your mates are on it? Like, 
what are the opportunities to um, to kind of add add value and like what are what are sort of things that happen socially that could be better if up was there to help them so for us the kind of natural extension of like two up is like what about what about all these groups you know what about share houses what about groups and friends going away for a weekend what about bands or clubs or teams like what are the ways that you know like what we've sort of built with up is underlying up is you know like this kind of incredible platform where we can just give someone we can open in a bank account give them a debit card um instantly like completely digitally and so what are all the things that could power um what are the ways we could you know like if i said to you hey we're going to go away for a, for a weekend let's all put in a couple hundred bucks in the kitty for expenses i'm just going to open a bank account right we'll all join a bank account you'd be like what what are you talking about like i'm not opening a bank account for that you're insane but like when you can do that with the press of a button and then you can shut it down after the weekend like that totally changes like the game right and like I'm probably giving away too many secrets, but like, 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 you know, the ability to then the things that we can do with that, give you all cards to buy, to, to spend, like, it's like, none of that stuff exists. Uh, and it's kind of within reach. So I'm pumped, very excited, I think, to like explore that stuff. You know, like the, the, the challenge you have in product is you have like too many ideas and like not enough, not enough developers, not enough people, designers to build them all. It's kind of like having ideas in slow motion. Right. But like, I think that's just such a super exciting part of our future. You know, and then the reality is like we uh, we got to earn money at some point, right? We got to we got to charge people for something at, at some point. Um, revenue is something that we are increasingly turning our attention to. You know, like but but we didn't want we didn't just want to slap like revenue generating generating products on top of up. You know, it'd be like oh you've got oh you've got a great brand you've got a great product people like you now you just charge the charge the crap out of them. Like there are lots of good ways I think where we can have a pro- have something that people pay for, like whether that's a, a home loan or a, or or something else where they're happy to pay. Like no one expects an interest free interest free thirty year home loan, right? Like they just don't want to be gouged by fees and they want to you know like understand how it all works. And um, and so I think that you know we we have to we have to um, or we will be working on that stuff, but very much with the mindset of like let's not just you know deliver this stuff as as it is today, let's think about how we can make it awesome. So, well, mate, we're, we're pumped and excited to see what what oh, turns out. We're, we're going to be able to open bank accounts like a messenger, like a group group chat. That's fucking insane. That's insane, man. No, you, you've, you've blown us away. Blown yeah. us away. Thank you so much for jumping on and having a chat. And Shooting you are the man. Yeah, you are. Oh, it's great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me. Can you believe his old man's a sir? I can. Uh, after hearing him talk, I'm like, he should be. He probably should be knighted soon. The book of sounds. He's got a few things. There's. I'm, I'm glad we had a bit of dirt on him before that episode. It <laughs> yeah. was. It was a good chat. I feel like he he could uh, potentially talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, <laughs> and we could just wind him up and let him go. It was just. I love those sort of chats. Love. Big 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 fan. Oh look, me too, Rob. Touche, touche. Um, yeah, we'll see you next time. <laughs>